Boys, come. Good morning, everybody. So, uh, you know, most of you know I grew up in Dallas, North Dallas, and uh, where I came from, in the church I came from, it was like super high tech, you know? And we had like two big screens and video like zoomed in, you know, when you're singing and all that. And uh, one of the things that I love about this church is that just like with the worship right now, these are my friends, you know, that just came together to lead us this morning. And, you know, it's not super high tech, but, you know, I, I think God is so pleased that we're just joining together and singing, you know, and I, I really appreciate all you people coming together you know, our usual anchors aren't here, and that's okay. We're just together, you know. Uh, if any of you would like to lead, um, <laughs> I'd love to have you. Thank you. Sing. Um, but thank you, guys. Loved it. Uh, wanted to make a quick note just about the new family that's coming to serve here at Obi Joyful Church. Uh, most of you are probably aware of that happening, but it's a pretty big deal for a little tiny place like this to hire somebody new and bring their whole family over. They're in Aspen right now. It's uh, Drew and Noel Larson. Uh, Jake brought them up. We do need to be lifting them up. You know, housing is a big deal. You know, things started half a million. And, you know, pastors, you know, we're loaded most of the time. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be really cool to see how God takes care of these people. Uh, and the, the reason that we're bringing him is that we, uh, uh, it's not just to add staff to do the ministry, it's to add staff to empower the body to be the church, okay? So you just don't ever want to forget that that's what's happening here. A lot of churches hire the staff to be the church and do the stuff, okay? That's the opposite of what we're doing here. The staff is to empower the body to be Christ in the community and to serve. And, to, and that's why he's a leadership and community development pastor, okay? He's not an associate pastor or sort of, you know, just covering extra stuff. He is to here to empower the body. And that means you guys who are vacationers, second homeowners, you know, long-term vacationers, whatever you are, and our body that's here all the time. Um, you know, it's cool. There's about 250 to 270 people in our community locals that are a part of OB Joyful. And uh, that's 5% of the valley, um, which is cool. Now, of course, everyone's not here, you know, but there are actual people, including kids, that are a part of our church, and that expands quite a bit in the summer. But uh, we need to empower, you know, the body. And, and like, when you come into the second homeowner to get engaged or a, or a visitor to get engaged in the church and the body of Christ here, that's cool. You know, and we want to empower, we want to make that happen. So that's what he's coming for. Just want to make sure you know, August 23rd is the first Sunday that he'll be here, and he'll start a couple weeks after that, I think. So anyway, just a little, you know, update on what's happening. Uh, let's see, to, so today, we're still in our series on calling and how God calls us to uh, really always something new and challenging and usually harder than where we were before. You know, it, isn't it the way that he does? Uh, he's never like, hey, why don't you go backwards, right? <laughs> why don't you just settle in and be the same you were? Uh, he's always about transformation, and so we're looking at stories uh, in lives of different characters, key characters, and some more obscure characters in the scripture to see how their story ties in with us and what general and, and even specific principles we can learn about how God calls. And so we've looked at a lot of different people. Today we're going to look at one of those superstars, and that's David. Familiar with David? 
somewhat whether you come to church often or not. Well, this is the early service, so I bet most of you are like church people, and some, you know, are Christians for the most part. Uh, the, the, thir- the second service is crazy, y'all. Just watch out if you come to that one. But uh, th- so we're going to look at the early part of David's life and how God prepared him for something uh, very specific. And, and this is the thing that God was calling David to. He was calling David to be a shepherd. Okay? He called David to be a shepherd. Now, when I say that, you're like, okay, great. Well, what does it have to do with me? I hope you're saying that. I mean, I, I'm, most of you probably aren't you know, shepherds and don't have sheep in your house for the most part. But what I do want to say, I want you to think with me about this for a second, is that shepherding as a metaphor is actually one of the root social structures of human beings. It is one of the most basic things that all of us take part in. I mean, think about what shepherds do. Shepherds lead and defend and feed. Shepherds lead, defend, and feed, right? All meaningful relationships include that stuff, okay? Which means if you're in any kind of relationship at all, there is shepherding going on. For instance, if you're a teacher, are you shepherding, right? A mom, a parent. Parents know about shepherding sheep. They're just, they have mostly skin instead of fur or whatever the heck sheeps have. Wool, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not real educated, but anyway, I'm up here, so you got to go with it. Um, coaches, if you're a boss, you're a shepherd. If you post things on Facebook, you're a shepherd. Okay? If you're a child and your parents are aging, you are a shepherd. Sisters, brothers, if you're a cook, a bus driver, are bus drivers not shepherding? People up the mountain, right? Meaningful relationships are always shepherding. I had a friend from Obi Joyful a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, let me take you to lunch. We went out and we're talking. He said, hey, I want to share something with you. Here's the thought I have about how, I, how you could do this really well, you know? And so he was challenging me with something. And I was like, great. He, was, he called me to lunch to feed me and he shepherded me, right? Now, anybody wants to to teach me something. I'm open most lunches. <laughs> because we're all leading and protecting and feeding or sheltering. A feeding has a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, as believers, if you are a believer, you should be, I should be engaged in the most important kind of shepherding, and that's, that's leading people towards the true shepherd, the one who really, truly leads and feeds and defends, right? So there's this spiritual aspect for Christians. It's a whole nother level of shepherding for us, if that's who you are. So in in David's preparation to be a shepherd, in in yours and my preparation to be a shepherd, uh, there are hurdles that we go through, things that he, God does to prepare us 
to be the shepherd. And, and they happen when we're young. They happen all through our lives. God's always forming us and, and, you know, calling us. And he's like, sometimes a big calling, sometimes a small one. But all the way, he's forming us to fulfill that job as a shepherd. And since we're talking about David, the king of Israel, you know, in his younger life, in the story, one of the stories we're going to look at this morning is, is the story of when he deals with this giant. So we're just going to call those challenges giants, okay? And there's three of them that I want to say that we're all going to go through and point out how David went through them too. The giant of pride, the giant of faith, and the giants of life, okay? Pride, faith, and life. So let me just uh, set up the story real quick. You can, uh, we're going to put some of this up, the scripture, but it's in 1 Samuel. If you want to turn there, we read out of the ESV here. Uh, so if, if you're using a, a machine, you know, just flip over to that version. There are, there are a lot of verses today that we're going to hit, so I want to make sure we're all on the same, the same page, as it were. Just to set the story, Samuel is the chief prophet. And Samuel has been a prof, the, the leader of, the, of Israel, in a sense, for a long time. But God has, at some point, the people asked for a king. So Samuel was the person who brought in Saul. And you probably heard of Saul at some point. Saul did pretty well at the beginning, and then it's just like, pfft, and he just went down the tubes. And so God said to Samuel, hey, we've got to make a change here. I need you to go and appoint a new king. Tracking with me so far? I like these Old Testament stories because they're like, you know, like we said last week, they're like the flannel graph stories from little kid time. And so here, so Samuel has gone to where God told him to go. It's the family of Jesse, and Jesse lives in Bethlehem, and he's a, a leader in that area. He has several sons. And so uh, in, Samuel has to do this kind of covertly because you can't tell Saul, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go pick a new king, Right? That's just not something you say to those, those guys at that time. And so he, he goes, he meets Jesse. He said, Jesse, I need to meet all of your kids, right? So, uh, or all your boys. Those are the only ones they talk about in this story. So what happens is Jesse parades his boys in front of, of uh, Samuel. And you may remember, the first one that, that Samuel sees, he goes, that must be him. That's got to be the king because he's good looking and he's strong, Right? So, so Samuel immediately picks this guy, and then God speaks directly to Samuel at that moment. And this is where we move to this first concept that I want to bring up to you that, that David had to deal with and we have to deal with as shepherds, and, and that will help us shape us as shepherds, and that's the giant of pride. Now, I know that none of you struggle with this at all. It's not a problem for you. So I'm just talking about myself, maybe me and Alan a little bit, but for, between us... I'll just kind of look this way, so we're tracking. Um, here, here's what, here, let's read it from 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And then God talks in third person about himself. For I see not as a man sees a man. And man looks on the outward appearance but I look at the heart. This is the second time Samuel has misjudged. The first time was when he picked Saul. Now, God did direct him to Saul, but the one thing that Samuel liked about Saul was that Saul was good-looking. Okay? If you read it, you'll say, you know, it's like all this stuff. He was so handsome. Well, 
shepherding is not about appearances. Okay, that's what I think is being said here. Shepherding is not about what you look like or what things look like on the outside because God is looking at the heart. Okay, so I just want to internalize that for a few minutes as we go. See, our culture teaches us the complete opposite. I mean, if you're looking for ways that Satan is alive in our world, where it's outside of us and something's happening out there that influences us significantly, it's that appearance is everything. You know, or the appearance of success, whatever it is, that is so important instead of the opposite. It, it's such a dichotomy for us that we live in. Our culture pushes us that way. In fact, we la- if, if you said you were going to date somebody and, and you said, uh, well, she's not real attractive, but she has a great personality, you know, we'd all go, okay, well, she's not attractive, right? We, we understand that that's what you're trying to say, right? Well, the reason we understand that is because we, all we care about, for the most part, is what's on the outside, okay? I'm not trying to marginalize anybody in, of you deep thinkers and real sincere people here, but that's how that goes. Uh, we, my daughter and I got hooked on this show. I'm not suggesting it necessarily. It's called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And when one of the first uh, things, if you've seen it, she just she's a kid. Uh, she's in, I guess she may be like 28 or something, but she was trapped by a cult leader in a bunker for 15 years. So she's stuck in the past and she hasn't been allowed to look at herself in the mirror for those years. When she gets released, she doesn't know what she looks like. She has a crazy boss woman who, that she works for who is only obsessed with her looks. And I've, I've actually seen this episode twice for some reason. And, uh, and Kimmy says, um, they're talking about selfies. She doesn't know what a selfie is. She says, I don't even know what I look like. Is that what I look like? And the, the woman who employs her says, Kimmy, you don't know what you look like? How do you know your self-worth? <laughs> Genius. Right? You know? I was like, it just leapt out to me, you know? How do you know your self-worth if you don't know what you look like? Um, shepherding isn't about appearance. The, this is the thing. This is the, this is the unbelievable beauty of God's standard. Okay, I'm using the word beauty on purpose. God's standard of looking inside is so much more critical. Okay? Without knowing God's character, if you are totally engaged only in what the world tells you, then you would have to tell your children your only hope for success is beauty and the appearance of success. Right? And if you're in the secular world and you're telling your kids something else, there's no point in it, right? Think, think about it for a second. The only reason that we have this standard of what is inside matters at all is because there is one true God who instilled that. It doesn't happen by accident or by evolution. It comes from somewhere. It's the beauty of God's standard for what is really going on. And here, here's the thing about David. So David is actually stuck in this humble circumstance himself as a young man. Because uh, we'll look at this, like when, when uh, Jesse is, uh, Samuel is, is looking at the kids and God doesn't point to any of them and he's confused. Samuel's like, well, what's going on? So he says, Jesse, do you, have, do you happen to have any other children? Right? It's as if Jesse forgot one of his boys. Okay? Because in that culture, it was right the firstborn and on down. 
And David's at the very end, and David has been sent to the field. You know, have you ever felt like you've been sent to the field? You know, like, I'm pulling the weeds, and they're, you know, having fun. They're the, you know, or whatever it is. There's these, these humble places, and this is formative for us if we are shepherds, and we are shepherds. To be stuck in a humble place is okay. Look at 1611. Samuel said to Jesse, are, you, are all of your sons here? I'm confused. And Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, but he's out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. We're not even going to sit down until he comes. Okay, this is, I'm sure Jesse's like, what is, because it hasn't been revealed why this thing is happening with Samuel. See, David didn't have any status at all. But when, but when David gets there, God says, this is the one, right? And Samuel anoints him. And he doesn't explain why he's anointing him, but David knows that something's happening with him. See, being in a humble place is critical to being a shepherd. Good shepherds are humble, and they're formed by being those shepherds are formed by being in humble circumstances and accepting them. I guess what I'm saying is that if you're in a humble place or a place where you're being humbled, even by people that you care about, by your parents, by your boss, by whoever, that's an okay place to be. Because the best shepherds are humble. Let me, I guess, and here's another reason I say that. Um, humility, that is such a key part of the framework of shepherding, can only be delivered to another person by example. I can't tell you to be, I can't tell my son, be humble, and then I do whatever I want, right? That's, that's received by example. So, uh, this first thing that David deals with in his life is pride. Right? That's the first part of the story. It's the first giant that David comes in contact with on his way to being not only a shepherd of sheep, but a shepherd of men. But the next one is the giant of faith. And I don't mean by that that faith was a hurdle that he had to get over. What I mean is the circumstances that David gets put into could only be dealt with by faith, by faith in the living God. Have you ever felt like you're in that situation? There is the only way that this can be dealt with is by faith in a living God. And uh, you, you remember how the, the story goes, probably. The next thing that happens that we see in David's life, it's been a couple of years apparently, he, David's actually moved into the role of the armor bearer of Saul. Okay, God's been sort of orchestrating these steps, and so David is now actually has access to the king. Well, the Philistines, remember the bad guys, the bad army, have come along and the, and the Israelite army is over here and the, the Philistines are threatening uh, Israel, but they've got this ingenious thing going on, which too bad we don't do battles like this anymore. You just send two guys down to fight and they work it out and you only lose one, right? So that's what they've done. They've, and, and the good thing for the Philistines is they got this really big dude, right? And he's a scary guy. In fact, if you're a backpacker, you know, like me, I only want to carry like a quarter of my body weight. 
right, when I hike. And that's the most I want to carry. I want to hand all the rest off to, like, Claire and Sarah and Taylor and everybody. You guys get in. But unfortunately, that's the truth. I hate to say that. That's what I do. Um, but he has 156 pounds of armor on him, okay? So th- I don't know how much he weighed, but this is a lot of weight on this guy, okay? And plus he has all the, these other things, shield and this, all this. Um, and uh, so here, here we come to this thing where um, this giant, this huge guy on behalf of the Philistines is threatening day after day, as you know, the Israelites. And he's saying, hey, send somebody down, you little people, and when I annihilate them, we'll take you over. But this is how it's going to be. And so the pride of Israel says, you know what? I- instead of, instead of um, just running around him and fighting them, because, you know, if you're super tall, if you're eight and a half feet tall or whatever, you can't run fast. We know. We watch the NBA. You can't jump either. He's, and he's wearing 200 pounds of clothes. You just go around him. But instead, they're focused on this one little battle, right? Isn't that weird? You think about that, you know? And they're trapped because of their pride. They've got to take care of this guy. Well, David is, is you know, in the service of the king, but he makes this trip to visit his brothers who are old enough to be on the battle lines or at least be watching this. He hears the, this guy taunt Israel, and he's just, you know, it just blows him away. This is impossible. I cannot believe this is happening. I can't. This is, so he's like, who's going to fight him? What are we going to do? So uh, David gets before the king in his role, and he, he says to Saul, he says, hey, um, listen to this. I, I can do this. And let me tell you why. And, and look at what he says. This is in 1 Samuel 17, so we're going to skip up just a little bit in verse 37. And so David says to Saul, after, after explaining why he's capable of this, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. See, David describes to Saul this, these interactions that he's had with these animals in protecting the flock. Right? And all the time, God had protected and given him the skill to do it, and he used this you know, sling to take care of that. Even though David is young, what he does is he remembers what God has done for him, how God has worked in his life. He's, he's, he's jotted it down, apparently. He knows this in his heart. Part of uh, dealing with that giant of faith is to remember what God has done. And this is what David does. He, he tells the story to Saul of what God has done in his life. And it's so convincing that Saul says, okay, I'll... I'm going to let you, little young man, go up against this big guy, right? That must have been a pretty convincing story. David was convinced that uh, there is this God, he had enough faith in this God that there was nothing that could stand in his way of serving him. And, And here's the thing. Saul tries to dress David up in like the armor of the day, right? puts it all on him, gives him a sword. And David's like, you know, can't, it kind of describes like he can't even get out the door. So he says, you know what, Saul, I'm going to take this stuff off and I'm going to go with how God has prepared me to deal with this. So we, we need to, when we're dealing with this giant of faith or of doubt that we can overcome something, 
then we need to recognize how God has formed us. Look back and see what God has done to prepare us to deal with these things. You can make a list in your quiet time sometime. What has God done to prepare me? Have you ever asked yourself that question? To prepare me to be a shepherd, to prepare me to be a servant, what are the things in my life from day one, my family, where I grew up? It doesn't matter. All the things he's done to prepare you. Instead of adding on what the world says we have to to do the way the world does it, let's do it the way God has called you, has made you, has made me to do it. He's prepared you a special way. Look at 17, 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. David took his staff and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his pouch. So he actually left Saul's presence with nothing, just wearing his regular stuff. And he goes down to the brook, which is at the lower part, right, of the... Uh, uh, he's, he's near the giant now, right? His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. You know, David isn't a dumb guy, right? He's not dumb. He knows what the odds are. But yet he still chooses to remember what God has done to prepare him. Right? And he's shepherding all of these people, even as a young man, by his example. See, uh, uh, there's a thing that we do that, that kind of turns the key and locks us into the way uh, that the world would do it instead of the way God would call us to do it. And this is the one where we say, I wish I was like so-and-so so I could do that. Again, something most of you don't deal with. I wish I had the gifts of so-and-so so that I could be like that because they have that and I don't have it, you know. Well, that's right because... You have something better, right? God has made each of you, each of us, it's what he does. That's one of the beauties of this internal thing that he's doing is he's made us each. He's formed us and prepared us for the things that he's going to bring into our lives. David says, the Lord has delivered me before and the Lord is going to deliver me again. And he believes it. So he's, he's got the, he's dealt with his giant of pride you know, that's a part of his life. He's still going to, he's going to deal with it the rest of his life too. It's always going to be this angry thing in the back of his mind, in his heart. But he, he's dealt also with this thing of, of faith. And if you read the Psalms, man, he struggles, with, he still struggles with faith all the way through, even when he's a grown man. One last thing about him though, is in us, in growing to be shepherds, is dealing with the giants of life. Every one of us has those. You know, and uh, Stephanie's not here for me to pick on, you know, two of our band members have gone through cancer in the last year, right? So Neil survived uh, miraculously over, the, over 2014, and now Steph has not I remember when she just got the diagnosis, and I was sitting up in her office um, at her store, and she said, um, you know, I'm in a lot of clubs, and I'll let her tell you what clubs she's in. She said, I don't want to be in the cancer club, you know? You know she probably said that to several of you. I don't want to be in the cancer club. She's facing this giant, right, in life. And we all have those things. But here is the key, I think, one of the main keys, and the key that David realizes in this process of dealing with the giants of life on our way to being shepherds. And that's this. It's whose name are we going into battle under? Look what David says. This is 1743. I like, this is where it gets like, like a movie or something. 
And the Philistines said to David, so they're, far, they're close enough that they can be heard, right? They're across you know, this creek or some space from each other. Philistine says to David, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? Right, David has his, his uh, staff or you know, shepherds, whatever he had. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. This is like a box, you know, the boxers, you know, when they have a boxing match and they always show their faces face to face. And they're, you know, this is happening right here. And I love this. David said to the Philistine, it almost sounds like he's speaking calmly. You come to me with a sword and your spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I come, and the key is there, there's, there's four words, the name of the Lord. I come before you, you had all that stuff, that's great, but I have the name of the Lord. This is much more than like a team jersey that says God on it, you know. This is different than that, because God is in charge of everything. We get so focused on the one thing that's happening in our life, we, God is zoomed out in the big picture, Right? There are a lot of other battles that people are facing in Israel and around the world that God is dealing with at the same time that David has been called into this one particular scenario with this big, big problem, this trouble that he has. God has the bigger picture in mind, but to David, this thing is huge. And he goes into it with, under the, he goes in under the name of God. When, you're in, when I'm facing these uh, giants of life, are we going in them under the name of God? Or are we going in them under the name of, I will take care of this and I will figure it out. I will get this done. Uh, so there is this, uh, these life giants that we face, and we could go on on this for a really long time. Look at verse 48. When the Philistines arose... When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, I love this, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. You just picture that? And David put his hand in his bag. You, know, you can picture this almost like from behind David, you know, the camera angles like down there. David's, you know, running this little guy. He's taking off. The rocks are shooting out. He's running across this bare area. And, and he's reaching into his pocket. He's pulling out the stones. He's got this, you know, however he's going to do this sling. Everything's ready. David put his hand in his bag. He took out a, a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his head, and he fell on his face in the ground. You know, that's the kind of shepherd that I want in my life. I want the guy or the girl, younger or older, that when they face the life thing, they run at it. You know, they run at that thing because they're under the name of God. They've been trained by, I mean, look at it, looking at it from the perspective of the sheep, which we also are, we're not just shepherds, we're also sheep. Uh, let me, let me read you what I wrote because I won't be able to say it all, but this is the kind of person that I want to be my shepherd. A person who has face down pride and who owns humility. A person who has a deep faith based in experience and trust in God. 
a person who has faced giants, win or lose, and who, because of whose name they are under, runs at those giants. Those are the people I, I need to lead and protect and feed me. And whether, wherever you are in your progress of being a shepherd, remember both sides of that, being the sheep, being the, the one who's being shepherded and the shepherd. And let's, let's uh, uh, take David's example of training to be the shepherd that each one of us actually is. Let me pray for us and we'll go. God, thank you for the time this morning for a chance to gather with friends, uh, family here to uh, hug people, to gather in, in a family. And Lord, uh, we, we know that we're shepherds. May we now go and, uh, and be exactly that. But Lord, let us follow David's example. In Jesus, the great shepherd's name, amen. All right, y'all have a great afternoon. See ya.